0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Jarvis in Japan podcast, where me, Jarvis, a data scientist nomad in Japan, traveling around now on bicycle, and I just traveled 40, yeah, 40k today. <laughs> Long cycle ride, but it was good. But today we're not talking about cycling. We're going to talk about a very, very famous T-Man. Yes, we're going to talk more about tea today, and we're talking about Sen no Rikyu, probably the most famous tea person, Chajin, we call that in Japanese, in Japanese history. You could probably say he was the god of tea. So in today's episode, we'll talk a little bit about his life and some of his importance in sort of Japanese culture and some of his sort of mm, laws and principles. What I think is good to learn about for when you just enjoy your cup of tea. And make the tea ceremony more enjoyable just understand these little things so stick around grab a copper it will be another drinkable episode or to see me so Sen no was born in 1522 in a merchant family and he actually wasn't called Sen no he was Tanaka <laughs> Tanaka san a very 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 Japanese name and not very fancy as Sen Norikyu, you hear that you're like "Ooh, that's a nice name, but nope, he was a very very standard Japanese name, it's his real name, Tanaka. And this is the time of Japan's history, it was total war, warlords were murdering each other, taking each other's land trading with the foreign nations to get guns to do more murder and take off people's land it wasn't a great time to live in Japan it was hard and brutal and you could use your life very easily but as a merchant a young Senorikyu around I think 17 started an interest in tea and Japanese tea practices of early tea ceremony And he stuck with this. Throughout hardships of his losing his father, his family members, like if you're a young merchant, that's really hard in these sort of times, right? And if I get my history correct, just after his father died, there was a big civil unrest in Osaka where he was born, and that led to kind of most of his merchandise getting destroyed. So your family die, all your stuff gets destroyed, and it's like, ah, let's just do tea. And he kept up with the tea. In hardships gone through, he kept with this tea. And through doing this, he got credited as well, a really profound tea person, you call this Chajin, in Japanese. And he kind of specialised in this sort of area of his merchandise for being a merchant, trading sort of expensive tea pots, tea goods. And he got the knack for selling finery. And cultural items, and this, well, as a merchant, was really good because you meet people. When you, do, you give them tea ceremony, having that sort of communication with someone is a great way to get the people talking, get them sitting down, not murdering each other like they were doing in the warring states, and get them talking. Just let's do merch, let's do trade. Here's some tea, It was like, yeah. So this gain some influence as a tea person and around his late 40s he meets old nobunaga and old Naga, well if you don't know a bit about japanese history he was the one warlord Well, he wasn't the one there were several others with him but he was the main sort of guy violence and innovation who kind of unified japan out of this warring states period through violence and innovation but one thing he loved was tea and tea ceremony he was a big fan of tea and when he met Q, it was like oh, this guy can do good trade he's a great merchant and he can do tea so he was a perfect fit to be basically his main tea guy and he was well became the warlord Obanaga's tea guy you call that in Japanese saido like tea head <laughs> kind of funny We look at the kanji he was old Nobunaga's tea head and from here his influence on sort of the tea Japanese tea culture bros because he Nobunaga was the top guy and the top guy's tea guy was just like this old man who just gave all like life advice a lot like oh yeah you have the problem you should do this it was kind of like therapy in a way you take all these vicious warlords down they'll take their swords away they sit down and just have some tea and that's this old nice little guy who's trying to trade some stuff with them he makes good tea and they just relax because in a world of vicious and violence and people murdering each other with swords and guns just sitting down relaxing as he calls and drinking some good tea well that's good times so we're going to get more into what happens in his later life in the next episode because the story around this death is quite well it's sad but it's an interesting story but the next part we're going to go more into what was some of the principles that sen Norikyu taught in his tea ceremony And i think these are really important to understand if you want to understand japanese culture and do tea ceremony yourself. And just maybe when you drink tea yourself, understand these things that make it more enjoyable experience. So welcome back to Jarvis in Japan, and we're gonna continue our talk about senator q basically the god of Japanese tea. And one thing he established, well, is the sort of philosophy and the way of thinking about Japanese tea ceremony. We call this wabicha. If you've studied Japanese for a long time, you might've heard the phrase wabi-sabi. It's not wasabi. That's, that's kind of very strong, strong Japanese spice, which I don't really like. This is wabi, wabi-sabi. It's different from wasabi. And if you ask a Japanese person to explain what is wabi-sabi, You probably get a weird answer, because it's kind of an innate thing Japanese people kind of understand, but they can't really explain it. It's kind of a sense of beauty in Japan, but it doesn't really translate well to English, and especially English philosophy. Not English philosophy, sort of ways of thinking and philosophical mindset in the Western world, doesn't really translate well to wabi-sabi so I'm gonna try and explain a little bit what I believe wabi-sabi to be and if you understand this you may understand a lot better Japanese culture and tea ceremony so the wabi-sabi is split into two spots wabi and sabi oh so first up we got the wabi so the wabi part is hard to explain but imagine you're sitting Having tea, and you're looking outside, and your view, well, it's all nature, and you do the same thing every day. You've probably noticed quite often that, well, things slowly change. It's quiet change, it's subtle things. It's not perfect, right? Outside, it's not a perfect state, but it changes with the seasons. Say, In the winter, it was covered in snow, but when you're covered in snow, oh, you look forward to spring, right? Soon it would change, there'd be flowers zooming up. The Sakura season, right? And then after that, oh, it's summer, right? Oh, but then when it's summer, it's too hot, and you wish it was nice and cool again, like winter. This sort of, it's not perfect, right? But it's a circle. Of change and it's subtle that sort of subtle enjoyment of what's non-perfect but it's there is the sabi no it's the wabi the sabi well in Japanese it's kind of like loss and decay This is an odd thing of sense and beauty it's kind of the withering away of things like in life you have a tree or it's a human being they're really young and pretty in their 20s, but when you get older, right, you get wrinkles, you get grey hairs. But the savvy part isn't that, that's a sense of beauty in a way. Because they've got to see all these changes and they themselves are changing. So, in a sense, the wabi-sabi is kind of a philosophy and a way of thinking. There's a beauty in the imperfections of life, in imperfections in sort of life in general. It's not perfect, but in that imperfectity, there's a beauty in that. And that, I think, summarizes Wabi Sabi perfectly. And how is this connected to tea ceremony? So if you look at tea ceremony, and you want to look at some of the, the bowls, the plates, the way you do things is kind of a little bit odd. Especially in Rikyu's teaching, they didn't really want grand cups. Some of the cups you look at, you're just like, from a Western standpoint, they don't look very nice. They look odd, crooked. They're not colourful. They're black, some of them. But, the Next actually one bowl in particular, it's a really, I can't remember its name, one of his chawan, one of his tea bowls. This is the most beautiful tea cup around. was like, what, what? And it basically was just a black teacup, but it wasn't even elegantly made. It's all crooked, bumpy and stuff. But the sense of Wabi Sabi was in that cup, and people respected him so much that they are like, Oh, that's the most beautiful teacup, right? Yes, we understand! It's taking this imperfection stuff and then enjoying that. It's kind of the essence what I wanted to say there and then through tea, trying to show that through giving tea to your customers, as in say, you're Chajin, you're the person making the tea, you wanna not just make the tea, you wanna send the feelings that it's good tea, even though it's probably not the best tea, through the feelings you can kind of making the tea. is also an important part of the teaching of Sen Q, and this actually gets to his seven principles. The Shichisoku. And understanding these a little bit Maybe help you out if you are doing tea ceremony yourself Or just want to make good tea in general For your customers Doesn't have to be matcha It could be coffee as well These are kind of universal rules What If anybody who's doing a coffee shop wants to use I think your coffee shop would be really good The first up, chawa wa fuku no yoki yoni tate so basically what that just meant in Japanese was your tea, like cloves, when you forecast for the season, right? If it's gonna rain outside, you change your clothes. Your tea needs to be like that for your customer. So what does that actually mean, right? Well, you want to show your like spirit user of heart that like you want to make them good tea but your customer may change from day to day, right? Different customers, they have different moods. So the way you make the tea and how you serve it um, could be different each day and taking that in mind, well makes good service in a way. The second principle tan wa you no waku, yoni oku So basically what that meant, tan is charcoal you no waku well that's boil the water so basically what that meant if you want to make good tea you gotta well have good water in a way good hot water as when you think now we just boil the kettle right it's very easy to put hot water in a kettle it's fine but when that naughty was around in the 15th century you don't have kettles right gotta heat up the teapot with charcoal and coal that takes time and doing it properly it's always a good way to get good water and good, well, boiled water, to make good tea. If you don't have that, well, you're not gonna have good tea. The third one, Hana no no Aruyoni That's basically, put a flower in the plains. What? What does that mean to do? So, when you see a tea ceremony room, you'll notice there's normally a flower hung up somewhere. Very simple, just one or two flowers. Not a big flower buffet, but a few little flowers. It's simple and nice and it well it brings a sort of sense of nature. It changes the seasons, different flowers from outside, from the garden around, just put them up in your tea room. Cause well flowers are living things too and showing their importance in your tea room well can make it a more enjoyable experience. The fourth well principle is Natsun Suzuki Fuyu Atameni. So in the summer cool, and in the winter heat. what's well, kind of like the changing seasons, right? The changing seasons change. The way you want to make your tea also changes, right? In winter, if you serve really cold tea, they might not enjoy it that much, right? Because it's cold. You may want to heat the room up more, right? Do other little things to make it more enjoyable. Serve hot tea, but in, say, in summer, when it's super hot, you don't want to do that so much, you may not even want to have as hot tea. So, just keeping that in mind, always make your cafe successful in a way, right? The fifth rule, probably one of the most important ones, Segen ni Hayamini. So, Segen is restrictions and limits. And that's basically fast, do them early. And basically, what that means, it's not just to protect time like, time management, like, you should be on time, it's to make it really important. Like, that time you have with your customers is really important. If you can kind of show that in the little time you have with your customers coming in with your tea, that's an important part of the whole experience. And that can mean, well, you prepare things a little bit early. You have all these little things already prepped, so, you can spend more time with your customers. The sixth rule? tomo, amano yoi. Even though it's not raining, prepare for rain. So, basically, that means prepare for anything, really. Have something ready just in case things go wrong, right? If things go wrong and you're a person who's doing the tea ceremony, right? You're the host. If you're already on it, before it even happens because you've already planned for these little things well, your customers can be like whoa so what could that be if you're a cafe owner well that could be having spare umbrellas just in case it does suddenly rain just give one to a customer so they get home nice and safe why is that good because they've just taken an umbrella from you they're gonna come back with that umbrella and maybe have another coffee you want to think about these little things because you're prepared and you gave kindness to your customer in a sort of bad situation it could help you out and the final seventh rule seyo. that is show your heart to the fellow guests even though so you normally tea ceremony you invite one main guest he's the head guest and they bring some friends along but it's not just about you and the main guest right you have other guests as well Showing the importance and that you care for everyone who attends is important, right? You don't just want to have guests and just talk to that one person all the time. The other people feel like left out, right? You want to bring everyone in. And even that's just let the guests with each other help them out in conversation. They'll have a good time with each other as well. And that's what an important part of anything in life really, right? Normal conversation, normal meeting people. Having these little things, well, make your life more enjoyable, I guess. So that has been Sen Q's seven principles, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode because I've enjoyed quite a lot learning about Sen I've been getting back into tea ceremony lately, doing match every day, doing a lot of training with a little stirrer, and it's been good fun and stressful time. And I think the ways of Sen Q's teachings. Not just useful for tea, but in a way, are useful for our lives, to so enjoy our lives much more. And what is sort of humanity and life in general? Wabi-sabi. Like, oh, like that sort of concept is really in Western thinking. And just appreciating that, hopefully make your life more enjoyable. <laughs> so, we want a deep episode today. Meaning of life through wabi-sabi. <laughs> no, that's not going to be the theme. What the title has to be? Sen no and the meaning of life. Wabisabi. Hmm, that's probably a good one. But the next part of Sen no Q is going to be more about his influence in Japanese history. So, well, we just heard of these things. He did wabisabi, right? He did this tea principles of tea ceremony. But he was the friend of Oda Nobunaga, and after Oda died, he was the head tea man the person who took over and unified Japan, Hideyoshi. But then Hideyoshi kind of, well, ordered him to commit sabuku, ritual suicide. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about that, this influence he had, and sort of the role he had in the Warring States period of Japan. So stick around and subscribe to that episode because it's going to be a good one. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe anywhere you find it and leave a comment. And also I am doing a fundraising campaign with my friend Melania, a GoFundMe campaign called Funding Rural Girls Education in Nepal. And if you're interested in that, please the link down below for any donations would be much appreciated. So So,皆さん, 本当にありがとう. Jane